Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 103, Jesse, the refuge of the church. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from our worldwide shed quarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia, and the Bonhoeffer House shed quarter there in Radford, Virginia. That's right, friends, we are remote Zoom podcasting today. Uh, because Jesse is now uh, immune to communicable diseases, but had a rough day yesterday on his second booster. Am I allowed to, am I giving your HIPAA information away? Is it, did I already just say you got vaccinated? You already said it on the podcast before that you got vaccinated, didn't you? I got vaccinated. I had a rough day yesterday. I'm bouncing back today. Uh, so far, have not noticed any you know anything odd. So you know, you- other than I just had a a day where I was sore and tired and, uh, but I'm bouncing back. So, so I haven't noticed Bill Gates trying to control me yet. <laughs> Didn't no microchip put in you? No, no microchip. I, um, oh, Lord. I felt a little under the weather and I, but I did a little Bing search and I, I felt like everything was fine. Wow. You, you shunned I'm making, the Google. I'm making Bing jokes whenever anybody asks me about the, the vaccine. That, uh, <laughs> the only side effect so far is you're searching on Bing. <laughs> Thing. I don't know why. So, so you are clean and I'm unclean. So you can come, you can come out apart. You don't have to come out apart and be, be separate. Do you? Well, um, no, I'll be, I'll be back over there as soon as, uh, uh this ice let, lets up and I'm feeling better. That's right. We do have a, a pretty significant ice storm. Did you guys lose power at all yesterday? Just a little bit, not much. Yeah, we had about an hour, I think, and so we're grateful for that. Hey, guys, little heads up on the podcast. We don't, I, we don't do seasons on this podcast. Seasons are a great way to do podcasting. You know, five, eight episodes, ten episodes for season one, then come back in a few months, season two. Very common practice, excellent practice. Uh, on the underground, we don't do that. We're every two weeks forever. It's kind of what we do. Uh, but from time to time, we'll have a longer break, and I think, Jesse, we may have one coming up because I'm like every – week i'm in i'm in atlanta then i'm in oklahoma then i'm in philly and then i might be in st louis i can't i don't know for sure so we're going to be off until march 18th maybe the 25th Uh, but we do have a special kayla at college episode on march 25th that's scheduled i have to get on my busy daughter's schedule she's going to report in on how things are going she's uh this week leading one of her first bible studies with her peers on campus um been word that God is using her uh, in evangelism, sharing Jesus with people on her campus. So we're going to get a get a report in Jesse from the field there at uh, Washington and Lee University on the twenty fifth. So um, that's where we're headed. Unless you have, you, we could talk offline. If you have an interview you'd like to do on the underground, maybe you could slip that in in between. I, I'm happy to slip an interview in. Maybe I haven't thought about it, but maybe someone from Radford. CrossFit Radford, you know, with a camo uh, camo hoodie on. Representing here. Amen. This is from back when I used to work out. When you're you're like you're like super strong. Jesse is like a wiry guy. You're like uh, you're like a stringy strong, aren't you? <laughs> I'm at least I'm at least stringy. <laughs> hey, I got a cut on my arm. I don't know why. I just kind of laced myself. I don't know how I did that, but I uh, just wanted to show you my Popeye like forearms. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesse, man, it's good to be with you here. We are closing a series that it, we've been in for some time, actually, that began in the fall, I believe in September, where we kind of revisited 
our current borderlands, right? There's a borderlands between the church and culture always. Certainly our cultural moment has things happening, people and ideas clashing and going in, you know, feeling cold, feeling colder out there in these borderlands. And so we've been kind of tracking through where are we sojourning. We're sojourning in Babylon. We have to engage with uh, our people and culture and times. And we also have to resist our culture and times. Why? We want to create refuge and we want to influence others. And so we had to talk about what, what are the things in our current moment that we resist? We have to resist the siren songs of power and pleasure, uh, the erosion of people's humanity around us and the erosion of human rights and how we treat people and then resisting misinformation, lies all around us and every kind of ideology being told and, and Christians, you know, following Bill Gates into them or not or whatever it's happening there with the misinformation. And finally, we're closing with refuge and we're closing with refuge in a specific way. And Jesse and I talked about this before the pod, but we don't say like home, we want to be a refuge, meaning that me and my family stay away from the big bad world, but but being a kind of culture, right, uh, where healing and encouragement and uh, the goodness of God is savored and satisfies us so that we have a strong place to stand as we go out to what? Influence in this world, in the borderlands. And so today, um, we're taking up the topic and in long, long listeners of the, of the gospel underground will, will, will remember this song because today we're talking about the refuge of church. songs they make. I love old school gospel. We need a church. Church. Well, Jesse, this is the theme song that when we started our podcast, we did this quite often as a segment of the underground where we said, take him to church. I had the advantage of having a pastor on with me all the time. And so uh, Jesse would take us from church from time to time, but we're taking everybody to church today. And so whether you're a believer in Christ, a non-believer in Christ, wherever you flow, whether you're kind of quit going to church, maybe you've used this pandemic time to kind of say, I'm out. There's a lot of people floating, Jesse, you know, tired of watching TV church or whatever, um, wherever you're at in relationship to this thing called church, a community of people called out by Jesus to belong to him and to be sojourners in this world on their way to the kingdom with a mission, right? To love God, love their neighbors, and to share the gospel or proclaim the gospel, extend hope of the gospel to others along the way. This group of people, right, in various configurations, institutions, uh, in various, literally every corner of the globe, uh, on planet Earth, for, for some of the most ancient churches are, are North African churches. Whatever you feel or think when you hear that word today, we're asking the question, is the church and can the church be a refuge for folks out in this world today? Jesse, what do you think about this? Is the church a refuge today for the uh, sojourner here on planet Earth? Yeah, I think Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope my church uh, is. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh when 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 you played the take him to church theme theme music there, uh which is gospel and is uh is really reflective of of maybe black church experience. It made me think about uh PBS. Reed, have you have you checked out their I have not uh, watched it yet, series? but it's coming out progressively from what I can understand, right? Episode by episode. Uh, 
that could be the case. There's two episodes out. I don't know if there's there's more coming. Um, I'm about halfway through episode one. This is the Black Church on PBS, hosted by hashtag um, Black Church PBS all over uh, Twitter right now. Yeah. Yep. Hosted by Henry Louis Gates, and um, I one of the one of the things watching it that became really clear is uh, how much of a refuge the black church, the church was uh, for, for a slave community. And then, and then uh, Jim Crow South and, and the black community and the American experience Amen. in some ways, in some ways, uh, uh, at least, you know, we're watching the documentary. Um, it seems to be in the best kind of ways, right? That, um, that the church be- became for, uh, for African Christians in America, a place that is safe, a place to belong, a place where there's a kind of... Uh, be, be their authentic selves without having to conform to dominant culture, without having to perform uh, for folks uh, out in the world. And, you know, one of the beautiful things about the black church experience, and, you know, I was a part of one in college, um, which was a blessing to me in, in immense ways, is that... Uh, the, the welcoming culture and the safety and the affirmation. I remember seeing uh, a Sunday where young boys were brought up and affirmed in their education and their schooling and in being virtuous young men. I think, man, this is something. And, of course, I didn't grow up with any church, so I didn't see this sort of thing. Uh, but the cohesion of the community that was oppressed and 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 literally uh, wasn't allowed to be together with white Christians. Obviously, the first formalized and organized. Obviously, before that, there were uh, spiritual things and connections with people. Uh, but the formalized thing by uh, Reverend Richard Allen, right, of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, quite literally was converted uh, by a Methodist preacher and then wasn't allowed to worship together. You know, hey, go sit in the balcony and... and um, that led to the formation in Philadelphia of the first African American Episcopal Church. So the tradition there, um, a lot of times people, you know, think about segregation on Sunday. Well, uh, it was forced upon a people, and then it created this wonderful community over time, where continuity, tradition, activism, justice, and change has really been uh, brought forth to our culture by by certainly the Black Church. That's right. And so for me, thinking about the church's refuge in that kind of a context where um, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about that. I'm interested in being a, a church that is a refuge in, um, you know, uh, in, a, in a model like that. I'm not as interested in the church. And, and you mentioned this already in the, in the lead up, uh, the local church being a refuge from, um, say, from engagement with the world. Right, uh, right. As if it's a place to go and run and, and hide. Um, like the weird house on the cul-de-sac where no one goes <laughs> and they have strange right. sounds coming out of it or something. Yeah. Right. So, but, 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 a, but a safe, a safe place to belong, a safe place to be home, a safe place where uh, you're, you're um, received in and your identity is linked together with those who are, who are in the family. Um, right. I, I, I think so. Now, one of the say you mentioned earlier that uh, you that I would want our church to be a refuge in in some sense, um, and I certainly do. In fact, uh, one of the sad realities about the church and refuge is that uh, people do come to the church looking for all of these things that we're talking about. Yeah, uh, something different. To, yeah. And and what is a sad reality? What we're finding out more and more is that. 
uh, more and more in, in news stories, more and more in, um, yeah, headlines is, is that what is meant to be a place of safety and belonging, a place where you can let your guard down and trust someone, uh, has often been a place of abuse, whether yeah. that's spiritual, emotional, physical, sexual. Yeah. And, and so in some ways I would want to, I'd want to be pressing churches and pastors to uh, not so much to create a kind of um, a heavily walled fortress against the world, like that kind of a refuge, but, but certainly a place where, where, um, where people are welcomed in, people are, are able to let down their guard without being abused, without That's being right. Right. Um, hurt Be- even more. Because one of the things, Jesse, that's absolutely certain um, is that God is a refuge and a present help in a time of trouble, right? This is, uh, this is a great image, right? We see in the Old Testament that there is safety. You can run, God is, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, Right, the righteous run to it and are saved. This is a, this is a constant theme that the Lord is a warrior. He fights for the weak and the oppressed, and that's why um, God wants His body, His place. Jesus was a refuge for people. He was people were drawn to Him. Sinful people, broken people, not uh, religious, arrogant people um, who were trying to say, "Look at us, we're better than them." That was not His His flow. And and the reality is, He wants His church to be this kind of refuge. And look, uh, the historic racism of churches, the uh, economic, sometimes injustice of different churches. Um, sometimes we put the eyeball on that, but there are realities in all churches throughout time where if God's presence is there, like, look, there are some things that are called churches, guys. We all know, we know this, right? They're just, that's not Jesus in there. His words not proclaimed. It's, it's something different. It's maybe a cultural expression of you know, a group of people together, but it's not the church. But God's people uh, should be a place uh, that welcomes the stranger, uh, the sojourner among you, the exile, right? Uh, and and we really believe that that is not only possible, but God's desire for us. And uh, I, I'll just be quite, quite honest, Jesse. Um, I thank God for lo- the local church. Um, I mean, I I, be, I became a Christian when I was nineteen twenty. There was a transition time. I was learning what that meant, and in the churches, and in, in you know the church I went to in college, the Lord's Church Chapel. I don't even know it probably doesn't exist anymore. Um, predominantly African American congregation um, welcomed me as a young person, right? Uh, Cross racially, you know, you know, hey, we're buying a college kids pizza kind of stuff, and and I'm so grateful. Uh, to be a part of this community called the church. Because I think there's a lot of people who grow up in religion or churches that kind of, you know, it's kind of the air they breathe. It's the only thing they know. And many times, you know, you see the bad, you see warts and all of the thing, and you get cynical, right? And you start thinking, oh, that it's kind of better out there in the world than it is with these people. And man, I just want to just, if I could testify for a minute, growing up, uh, without that type of community, I'm just saying that the church has been such a place of kindness, encouragement, blessing um, for me and my family. Like even our church right now, my wife's been through a pretty difficult recovery season. And Jesse, if I could brag on our church, there's people just that we really don't even know dropping food off at our house. So my wife, wife and I can just take care of our family a little bit better while we're juggling so many things. Uh, years and years ago, when we when we lost babies to miscarriages, church people, the the gospel community, 
has loved us well and has been such a balm and salve of goodness from God to us that, look, I get the church hurt. I get the goofy stuff. I, sometimes I see some things that people are saying and doing to each other in churches, and I'm like, man, I don't want to be a part of that either. Um, but this is God's uh, design for us that he, he gives us each other. And uh, I'm just grateful uh, one, I, I, I say this all the time, if I'm ever not grateful for simply being a child of the Lord, right? If you're a daughter of God, son of God, belonging to Jesus by faith, man, we, wow, we have everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. And then he gives us, he sets the solitude in families, right? He's a father to the fatherless. He he gives us one another. And, that, and look, that, that is part of God's plan is that warts and all, mess and all, uh, we work forward together in God changing us where we don't have to pose and fake the funk and act like we don't have anything wrong with us or act like these religious know-it-alls, those kind of churches we don't want. But we do think the church can be the kind of refuge we're talking about as it stands forth and holds forth the gospel in the middle of uh, our generation, in the middle of every cultural world we find ourselves in. Yeah, I completely agree. And in my in my experience as well, I grew up outside of the, at least outside of the kind of evangelical Protestant church world. Um, and, and I would say in my, in my life, the deepest wounds and, and hardest hurts I've received have been from church people. Mm. But, but the greatest kindnesses, the, um, you know, the most welcoming and caring experiences in my life have also been from church people. Yeah. And, and I don't know if it's, if it's coming in later in life or coming in from the outside that, uh, uh, but, but I came in with pretty open eyes to like, yeah, these people aren't perfect. Right. So I'm not looking right. for, I'm not looking to belong to a perfect community. Yeah. Um, and certainly, you know, in my experience in my family was that, uh, my deepest wounds yeah. <laughs> often came from those closest to me. That's right. Uh, but, th- but they're still my family. They still care for me. They'll still do anything for me. And so, so really, you know, that's, the, you know, in our, in our particular church, it, it, I, I love hearing that people are caring for you guys. And, um, Jess, you know, you've been a good pastor things. to us too, man. We appreciate you, brother. And, uh, yeah, I don't just you. say that, man, like, um, we realize that the world is a cold place. And a lot of times people don't, I mean, even our pastor, our, our pastor, Brett, Brett Johnson, um, and a week and a half ago took time to, to, uh, sit, sit and have lunch with me. Um, and just asked me some really kind questions about how we're doing and offered to paint my bathroom. That was revolutionary. Cause I, cause I, I don't know. I'm not Mr. Fix it, man. And Brett's pretty good at that stuff. I was like, wow, that'd be great. You can paint my bathroom. He's going to paint your bathroom. Yeah. 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 Well, my what neighbor- that really means is he's going to find somebody to paint your bathroom. <laughs> no, he said he and Katie are going to do it. So I'm holding him to it. Oh, um, hey, Katie's really good with that. That's what I hear. She's great. Well, maybe that's who he's going to find. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> Katie's going to show up and I'm like, no, no, no. Call your husband. He's coming too. But yeah, it's uh, well, uh, yeah. I was I was thinking about how um, the church is the body of Christ, right? There, there, you know, in the scriptures you have, I don't know, ten major motifs or something. Metaphors: like to, the bride, yeah, the body, the church, the bride, yeah. the body, family, the, um, family of God, the household of God, and uh, in all of those things, there's an intimate and, and super tight I- identity, and even uh, in in practical expression a, a tight connection to christ to yeah. our king our our bridegroom and so it should be the fact it should be the case that the church represents him 
And he was a refuge. Like you said, you know, he says, come to me all who are weary uh, weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Yeah. You know, he he says, if you're thirsty, come to me, I'm gonna give you water. Yeah. And so, and so the church really ought to represent him in those ways and ways that give rest, that give, um, that give the water of life to people that, uh, that welcome in a, a, a wide diversity. You think about his, uh, both his 12 that he gathered to himself, uh, the, the, the people on the next layer that he, he lived hundred or so the people, yeah. yeah, the hundred or so. And then the people that he engaged with as he's going around the centurion, the Samaritan woman, I mean, yeah. the, there's really like a, uh, it's not a particular, um, you fit, you, you, you can come in and have right, a right, right. And so I, I do think, but you mentioned Reed that, uh, the importance of, um, uh, or maybe something you said made me think about the importance for church leaders to cultivate a, a culture of humility in this. Yeah. Um, you know, I was just in this, in this room right here this week at the beginning of the week, I was meeting with a young lady who is, um, she's in full-time ministry. She's been hurt by our particular church and wanted to come and talk about it. Yeah. And she threw down a list of, uh, maybe eight or nine major kind of down the line. Here's where, uh, Valley Bible church. So I mentioned our church name there. Here's where Valley Bible church has failed, uh, to, to basically be a place of refuge. Mm. And, uh, the worst thing about it for me was having to say yes to those, most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, so, so just listening and going, yeah, I'm really sorry. Yeah. Like you're, I think, I think that we're making some changes. Um, but, but for you, we have not been a safe place. We've not been a refuge and you're not alone. And I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Yeah. Uh, and so, so really what I'm doing right now is bragging about my humility uh, <laughs> in that moment. <laughs> but, but I, uh, I mean, I think it's important to not, to not just dismiss that. Yeah. Or to, to rec- paint rec- a picture. Recognizing, yeah. recognizing that, that this person is probably in the minority. I mean, I, I do enough member care to get a feel for, uh, uh whether or not people feel like, you know, this is a, a refuge and, yeah. and I'd say it's a minority, but it's not, she's not alone and she's not the only one. And she's identifying real actual problems yeah. uh, with, within our culture that we need to address as a church. And yeah. so, I, you know, I think, I think humility is really important for, for creating uh, refuges. You know, there's, um, there's this reality that I think that we can forget easily that human beings made in the image of God are this wonderful bundle of, or of beautiful goodness, right? Uh, because of who God made humans to be. And we're fallen and full of just horrible badness, right? And that we forget that, that these, these humans are this mingled reality. And so churches gathering of humans under God are this mingled reality. And there's some real, real, real humanity involved in a local church community. And there's the beautiful, bright, shining light of Jesus, right? That shows up in that mess as well, this beautiful mess that we call the church. And so I think expectations, you know, we have to um, look at how do we see ourselves? How do we see others? And then like, like we talked about last week in building homes, right? Yeah. It takes prayer, effort, and energy to build culture in your family. Uh, It certainly does uh, in the local church as well. And that, and that culture comes from gospel culture, repentance of sin, faith in Jesus, focused on him 
moving towards his ideal. Because look, the commands and callings of God are beautiful. We're going to look at some of those here in a minute on God's people. We fall short of the glory of God, and so I don't expect I don't expect you to be Jesus for me, Jesse. I don't expect any of our pastors or elders or our deacons, the men and women of our church. I don't expect them to be anything but human, but I do expect us to be moving towards uh, our great God and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And so, I'm going to rip off my our friend Matt Cruz, uh, who came on here in an Underground Saints episode in the summer to talk about his book. And I'm going to rip his title off because I do think it's an aspirational. There you go. There you go. If you're watching the video, Jesse's holding it up this morning, holding it up. What the title is, what church can be. So that's a hopeful aspirational doesn't mean what church is at all times, but what church can be. And we're going to go over a few things, not from Matt's book. I'm just ripping off his title, but some ideas that I think create a flow. And by that, I mean, culture Uh, flow is the, you know, the many things pertaining to your way of being in the world. Uh, When you think about the flow of a local church, in order for it to be a refuge in the way that we're talking about, like, hey, you're, you know, you're out in the world, busted, broken up, you want to come in and and find Jesus, right, the great healer and great physician, find some resurrection life, there are certain aspects of our culture that we need to work on together in order to make, uh, to, to see what church can be. The first one is a posture of accepting all people into our family circles. Now, this is really hard for a lot of people because some churches out there want to say, oh, these are the bad people, these are the good people. That's such a sickness uh, uh, in some Christian circles, Jesse. Um, Jesus said, "There's no. why do you call me good? There's no good, good but God. And so we, we're, nobody's the good people here. We're all sinners in need. And that people who are far from God, who are not yet Christians, who, who are maybe not you know, as far as we know, we don't know if they're going to become Christians or not. They need to find in our, in our person, in our family, in our circles of families, a welcoming, uh, a welcoming place where they can be among us and rub shoulders with us and, and live with us in some ways. And so there has to be this overlapping um, with the world uh, in a way that we're not imbibing or taking on the practices, ideologies, and philosophies of the world but yet living with people um, and be willing to accept people are. And by that, we don't expect like someone who's not a follower of Jesus to believe and act like someone who's a follower of Jesus, right? Uh, why would people think that? And so people do that with morality. It's like, oh, look at what people do. Well, people do what they do. Before I was a Christian, you know, I was reading this uh, Twitter thread, <laughs> Jesse, about somebody complaining about the church's teaching about sex, and I was thinking, have you tried to live the world's teaching about sex? It is a it is a poop show mess, man. And I lived in that as a teenage man. And I just realized, man, I I I realized that hey, the church has a different way. But I when I was a non-Christian, I would, you know, what was I doing in that area of life? Whatever I wanted, right? Whatever my buddies and, you know, you know, my father asked me why I'm not trying to get with a gymnastics team or something. It's like crazy, right? You grow up a different way. And so uh, people who don't follow Jesus are following their own desires, their own ideas, their own ideology, maybe different uh, religions, whatever. We can't expect them to, to be, you know, adhere to our kind of posture of things. They're, that One of the beautiful things about living as a church on mission is to have friends. Some of my best friends in New Jersey weren't Christians. Um, and I thank God for that because of the opportunity, not just for witness, but for understanding each other 
um, and where people are really coming from and realizing, um, I remember, man, I remember what it's like to be without hope, without God in the world. And to look at the church as a place that doesn't want people, doesn't have any hope, just condemning, just heavy, just political is a disaster, uh, for what God wants church, what church can be. Mm. I agree with this so much and, uh, and, and living in small town in the South, uh, (laughs) Maybe it's even more, yeah. it feels more real, yeah. uh, you know, uh, that, that um, we can't expect someone to behave a certain way in order to get in the club. Absolutely. It's a disaster. And, and that, that's not to say that we, uh, that belonging precedes, I, I'm not sure that I, I would say that, but being born again does, uh, yeah. receiving, receiving, yeah, receiving new life by the spirit through faith in Christ. Um, you know, yeah. So I, I agree, you know, we, we, one of the reasons we planted a church in our little small town where we were doing campus ministry is I remember sending, uh, we had all these students coming into our campus ministry. Some of them were Christians. Some of them weren't, some of them grew up in the church. Some of them didn't, they were just all over the map. And we were trying to find churches in our town where we could send them. And a couple of them went, a couple of young ladies went to a, uh, name a no church names. in our town. <laughs> yeah. I, I won't name names. Um, went to a unnamed church in our town. They were wearing uh, like leggings. Yeah. And the pastor uh, in, in his sermon made a kind of uh, off-the-cuff detour to talk about um, how wicked the, the, the outfits were that, that young people were wearing these days, at, at which point he talks about how, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, a, it's like the, the, the clothing of Jezebel, like, like oh, yoga man. pants at church. Yeah. And he's looking right at these. And, and so, uh, yeah, good job there, uh, pastor. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, I think, uh, now there obviously are appropriate and inappropriate ways to dress in general. Yes. But, uh, yes. But it's another podcast. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To have a kind of uh, uh, um, check at the door, like, "Hey, are yeah. you behaving the way that we expect you to behave? If so, yeah. then you then you can be in the community. It's not the way of Christ." If you're listening and you're theologically concerned that we're saying that the church should be worldly, we're not. We're saying that the church should be a place where people from from all walks of life should be able to to be present without this this heavy burden of trying to check all these religious boxes you got to look this way dress this way smell this way act this way have this much money or not it's it's just absurd it, it actually makes me angry jesse i'm trying to contain that um hey, this is but so, if you, so this helps yeah. this helps takes take it out of the realm of morality so let me use a different one uh my friend charles who's pastoring the hill church in roanoke we're, we're having all kinds of conversations about uh you know we're as a church we're we're trying to really focus on multi-ethnic hospitality so that if you're if you're coming in and you're not a, a majority white culture person in our particular church we want to create a place where you don't feel like you have to check your kind of cu- cultural, cultural identity uh, story identity flow. at the door you yeah. gotta leave that behind to come in and that's that's challenging for a predominantly white church and a predominantly white community uh, we, we recognize that we're we're thinking through things, but he keeps pressing on. He says, well, well, what about the guy that doesn't have teeth that lives one block over from your church? Yep. White guy. But he, you know, he's, he's having a hard time keeping jobs. You know, he's lost some of his teeth. He's got like, does, does he feel like he can come into your church and this, Oh, this is a place where I could, yeah. I could be welcomed. 
And I, yeah. I think that's a real challenge Amen. to say, no, you don't have to look a certain way to, to be welcomed in here. Amen. And, uh, look, here's the thing. The church of the living God is known fully by God. We don't even know like who, who is really a Christian or not. If you're sitting in a place now, as you get to know people at deeper levels and different connection points with people, you get more of an idea but look, the church, we have to know it, the one, the people that are saved by grace that are, have been born anew by the spirit of God, God knows fully. Um, but yet always in the church as it sojourns, there's a mixture of people who believe and don't believe are all kind of points on a spectrum of that. And we have to just not only accept that we need to embrace that, um, that each of us is nowhere near, uh, where God is taking us to be in our own growth and change. Um, and so there's just no right from anybody um, to, to cast out what God may be inviting in. And so, and Jesus said this way, there's no one who comes to him, <laughs> anyone who comes to him by no way will he cast them out. And there's some preempting casting out that happens just by cultural things uh, in, in local churches. The way you hear the way the pastor talks, who is he talking to on Sunday? Is he talking to people that might be there who, who don't yet know everything in the Bible? Uh, is he uh, speaking down on different political views and po- uh, policies from the, the alienating maybe half is the people who might want to come in there. These things make a big difference. And so we need to have this place where people can be at, why to hear the gospel. Now, Jesse, uh, not only that, this is where, you know, let's just get real clear. We also, what church can be to be a refuge. We need Christians to be like, live like Christians. Mm. Um, this is not crazy talk, right? This is, this is not asking church folk to act perfect or fake the funk. That's not what we're saying, but we do need to look at the callings of God on our lives and, and look to seek to live this way. And when we don't to be openly repentant people about it, not like we act like, you know, our stuff ain't wrong, but like, Hey, I was unloving to you. Uh, I was ungracious to you. I lied to you. I was impatient with you. These kinds of rhythms of repentance have to be as we aspire, we care, we move forward to who God calls us to be. And one of that means God calls us to love, love God, love neighbor, love people, love your enemies. Um, there's some teaching, Jesse, I think you have it up in first Peter four, eight through 11 about love, right? Uh, could you read that for us? Yep. Yep. First Peter four, eight through 11 says above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Look, we're not giving expositions on all these passages here, though, but this idea that loving hospitality without grumbling, serving one another, right, as if we're serving God, right, to whom be glory. Uh, man, that is a beautiful picture. Consider this God's calling on us. We fall short. So repentance, right, where we fall short. And faith, right, faith, and by his power that we might live this way. Um, this is a passage about grace in Ephesians 4. And we're going to do two passages out of Ephesians 4, Jesse, because I think if we just read that, memorize it, try to live our best way by the Spirit's power, we're going to do a lot better. Grace, let no corrupting talk come out of your social media um, out of your mouth, sorry, but only such that is good for building people up 
as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Are we thinking about our tweets, our speech, our the way we're interacting with people? Uh, are we thinking through, I'm trying to give grace to people who hear me? Let's all go repent, right? That's a good thing. Truth, um, Ephesians 4, uh, 25 through 28, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of us speak the truth to his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Give the foothold to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, right? Let's, let's do work. Do honest work with his own hands that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. Uh, Work is for provision and sharing, right? I read these things like, oh, let's make communities like this, right? Like um, we say this all the time in our church in New Jersey. Hey, does anybody have need among us? Man, we're helping. It's not the fact that, hey, somebody lost their job and everybody's like, oh, it sucks for him. Hope the government helps. I'm like, look, great places for governments and nonprofits, all these things to help. But God's people belonging to a church, man, we're on the deck. We're going to help. Uh, you, you you don't have something, what do you need? Uh, we, we have to live that way. But it's hard to live with people, Jesse, so we need patience. Read, read for us Colossians 3. Yeah, we need patience. Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, to put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Okay, Jesse, this is hard. Um, does it mean, does, does the call to forgive each other remove justice or remove consequences or remove taking seriously wrongdoing in the church? Oh, just forgive them. Is that what this means? No, I don't think so. Um you know, the scriptures are pretty clear about the importance of uh, doing justice, the, and, and not just because it's all up to us, but because God is a just God. Yeah. And in his justice, he will punish the evildoer. He will set things right. He, you know, he will bring to light things that are in the darkness. Um, uh, you know, I, th- I think Colossians 3 is giving us this picture of a... Um, of what it means to to love our neighbor when our neighbor is getting on our nerves, when our neighbor is, uh, uh, there's a couple of things here. Bearing with one another is bringing to, <laughs> somebody is, has to bear with us, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, we are the one another. Yeah, <laughs> and and to be born is not just uh, it's not just winking at sin. It's not just sort of going, well, I'm not going to pay attention to this person's sin. It's actually coming alongside someone, taking an active role and and lifting up their sin, their suffering, walking with them, dealing with them and all their messiness, uh, bearing with one another, uh, forgiving one another. Forgiveness involves you, you forgive someone that repents and repentance yeah. is connected to justice and making That's things right. right. That's right. Yeah, so 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 you, you know it's not it's not forgiving, um, in a in an enabling kind of cheap way. This isn't cheap forgiveness that that Paul's that's right. That's right. Here. And pastors, if there's any pastors listening, you can remove people from homes. You can see people go to jail and be held fully accountable for their actions. 
and and this is this is very serious, right? Like you, it's not like oh, just forgive your abuser kind of thing. Um, there should be clear consequences, policies that are maintained in local churches, so that these things are dealt with with kindness and strength. Um, and you can forgive someone in prison, um, but this is a this is a reality that I think we have to face today, Jesse. That sometimes people say, well, you should just forgive, as if. Uh, there is not consequences for various actions in life, and there are. Um, but still, the forgiveness that 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 God gives, right? For because we've been forgiven, right? We forgive much. This is the end of Ephesians four that my wife and I have talked about in our marriage a hundred million times. That that we should be kind, tender-hearted towards one another, forgiving one another in Christ, just as God forgave us. And so. Um, a compassionate, forgiving community is not one that has to empower wrongdoing, but it takes it seriously, but also then takes seriously putting aside our vengeance and letting God's uh, right justice take take place in lives of people. Jesse, church life is not easy because it has people in it um, and people who are trying to grow and trying to accomplish a very sacred and important mission together. Toes will be stepped on. Feelings do get hurt. Uh, but we have these resources in the gospel of repentance and faith, of forbearing, uh, of the new, the power of the Holy Spirit of God, so that we might uh, step to these things, love, grace, truth, and patience. And there's a sense that when someone is a Christian, and Jesse should expect for me to speak truthfully to him, and 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 that's not an unreasonable expectation. Um, and that when I don't, when I fall short, that I need to apologize, uh, and and we need to forgive each other. Can I can, before we move on from yeah. Colossians and patience and and uh, and and finish this out? I'd love to draw attention to. Uh, of course, we've talked about the importance of habit on the gospel underground. And here you have Paul saying, put on. He's talking about taking off in the first part of Colossians 3. Take these things off, yeah. have nothing to do with them, and then put on these these other practices. And uh, this is where I think one of the gaps we have in the church, you mentioned it, Reed, it's it's that uh, Christians, we, we, we ought to expect Christians to live like Christians. But that requires a long obedience in the same direction yeah. that that requires that's that's uh eugene peterson wrote a book uh about that idea of discipleship it requires yeah. uh recovering the simple historical practices of uh i think the spiritual disciplines of of a life of discipleship and, and this is why uh scripture meditation in the mornings and we need i need to do a better job of this as a pastor as church leaders we need to do a better job of presenting these spiritual disciplines like bible memorization or prayer not just as uh isolated now i'm going to know more of the bible now i'm yeah. a bible person yeah yeah but actually yeah. scripture scripture meditation affects my love of neighbor yeah it, you know i'm i'm able to have um patience as I'm, as I'm dwelling on the word of God, chewing yeah. on it and allowing yeah. it to change me and perform what it already is announcing. And so anyway, I just wanted to say, no, it's absolutely me, there, important. It's not, yeah. There's too much like, um, 
I love the medieval Catholics and their and their doctrine and theology of habituation. And when you do the good, you become the good, that kind of thing, because there is a transformative aspect to life. Look, if you're supposed to put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, look, man, that's not, that's not like, in my mind, I'm going to have these thoughts, and I'm going to think this way about life. No, that, that's with your wife, your kids, the people at school, uh, the people you, you roll with in your neighborhood, uh, the folks that, you know, the referee you're pissed off at at a sports game. Um, this is reality, right? This is, and, and these things have to be lived. Like the things you've heard me say, put into practice. And by the practice of these things, we change. This is the synergy, right? God is working, I'm working, right? God saves sinners, monergism, synergism. We work because God is working. We have to put these things into our lives and into our practice. And if we don't know them from meditation on the Bible or good teaching for formation, the Bible has to be formative in that way uh, so that, you know, we're the formative becomes performative, not in a sense of a dance or a show, but hey, this is the life I'm living out, a life with God according to his word, authentically, and not full of, uh, full of, full of mess. So this is, yeah, right, yeah. right now we're in Lent, right? We're in Lent and season. Yeah. And so, uh, so I'm doing some fasting. I'm not going to talk a lot about it, Matthew 6 and whatnot, but, uh, but what happens when, and I'm also trying to. Jesse's having fish sandwiches today. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, man. Yeah. Keep going. So, so, uh, but, but here's what you learn when you fast, especially when you fast food, I think, when you fast something that is an, a literal necessity, um, is you learn that uh, you have some, you have more self control than, uh, than you thought you did or than you feel like you do. And so, and so, you know, the, the fasting food can actually be connected to love of neighbor, not just because you're leaving food on the shelf for them to buy or something like that, but because when they cut me off in line, yeah. um, there's a there's a there's a practiced embodied mastery of myself that That's allows right. me to go. You know what? It's not that big of a deal. Everything in me is screaming out to do something about That's this, right. to, to react to this. Right. Uh, but I can, I can just let, I can abstain from that right yeah. now. And so, so anyway, I just, I want to help people see the connection between uh, just the regular life of following Christ yeah. and being able to be hospitable yeah. to be a place where refuge can happen. Yeah. And one of the things, Jesse, for, you know, refuge to happen or cultures of church is what church can be to form is that we have to remember who we are and who God is. Like uh, in our, we do, um, one of my overcoming of my bad habits is like, I have to choose not to sleep too long and get up before everything starts so that our family can can do devotion kind of life together. We call it family, FFT, family focus time. Um, and we're doing this Lenten thing right now that, with readings from church history um, um, by, by a guy named Tim Chester. And uh, Casey was reading the devotion today and had something uh, about Luther where he kind of talks about you have to see your sins in the cross. You have to see this heavy. It was like heavy, heavy. He goes, and then you move on from that to remember that Christ has taken all that away, that you're fully forgiven, that you're a free person. It's almost like it started heavy. Then you just like you were soaring as a family listening to this. And and to be a kind of church, you can't forget the gospel. You can't forget and become nearsighted and blind, forgotten that you've been forgiven from your past sins. You can't forget who God is and who we are. 
God is a good Savior. We're great sinners, but he's, he's a forgiving God. And I love the way uh, my friend Ray Ortland Jr. says this. He, he planted a church called Emmanuel Nashville. I think Ray is like pastor emeritus. He's like, I don't know. He's like, he's one of those dudes that's just good to a lot of pastors, man. He's encouraging. He's a blessing to so many. And uh, I'm going to play the audio for you guys from their thing called the Emmanuel Mantra. And I think a church that forms a culture around this, seeing yourself not as holier than thou or any way, seeing what God is doing, like what, what the hope of the future is, and that the open call of Jesus is for absolutely everyone, I think becomes very clear in the Emmanuel mantra. So I'll let At our church, Emmanuel Nashville, we have what we call the Emmanuel mantra. It goes like this. One, I'm a complete idiot. Two, my future is incredibly bright. Three, anybody can get in on this. So it's simple. One, I'm a complete idiot. There's not been one nanosecond in all my life when God looked at me and said, ooh, that's impressive. And how God sees me is the way I really am. So there's no excuse for a human being like me. But I kind of know that already. What's surprising is the second part. Uh, my future is incredibly bright. Uh, why? Because Jesus lived the perfect life I should have lived. And he did that for me. And he died the guilty death under the wrath of God. I don't want to die. And he did that for me. All he asks of me now, all I can do, is receive his mercy with the empty hands of faith. And when I do, that's when God starts giving me the kind of future Jesus deserves. Um, that's incredibly bright. Uh, and because it's all mercy, then it can be for anybody at all, however idiotic. It can be for you if it's not too far beneath you. Amen. Um, I'm a complete idiot. My future is incredibly bright. The hope is hope hopeful, and absolutely anyone can get in on this. Jesse, the final thing I want to say before we wrap up today about what can church to be, can be has to be kind and welcoming and patient and truthful and gracious to people because we have to be say this is for anybody. And to do that, it doesn't mean that we have to adopt the views, the ideas, and the rhythms of the world around us, that the church has to stay faithful to God and his word. What Ray just shared comes from the gospel that's in the scriptures, the revelation of Jesus Christ in the, in the Bible. And there's this temptation uh, for Christians particularly in, in Western civilization, this has been a temptation that we have to change our message to make it more you know, digestible to the world around us or that whatever the cultural moment is of the day, we have to, man, we have to get with those times in order to conform to it, to make it a, the church a place that more people would want to be around. This is an utter disaster for the church to, to be a refuge. And let me say it this way, a slightly religious version of the exact same world that people are already journeying in is no refuge at all for the weary. It has to have a distinct difference in flavor. It has to have the aroma of Jesus Christ, without which, right, we are no refuge at all, and we're just flying through the world without hope and without God. Jesse, you got any final words for us, brother? No, that was so good. I'm ready to go. Ready? I'm ready to go. Ready to go. Stay on that church grind, friends. 
realize, hey, you're an idiot, but God in his mercy and kindness has given us incredible bright future and absolutely anyone and everyone around us within your crew, your family can get in on it. Live that gospel underground life, Jesse, holding forth the word of life in the borderlands between the church of culture, church and culture. Our podcast is produced in partnership with the Gospel Underground and the Bonhoeffer House. Review us on iTunes. Jesse's got his swag on. The BH, the house. Review us on iTunes. Five stars acceptable. Watch the video and you'll be able to see Jesse's floss in his sweatshirt. Send your comments, feedback, questions that you might want us to take up to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands, our borderlands between the church and culture. Hope to see you out there, friends. Peace. Peace.